All right, by a show of hands, how many of you recall the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Yes! Who was the host? Ty Pennington, Amber Killybeck, you win my love and undying devotion. So he was really exuberant, right? I mean, he was all the energy and he, we'd tune in and then he'd take us into the home that was usually in pretty rough shape. And we got to know a family and they were going through some kind of adversity, usually a pretty big adversity. And so what would happen is they would send this family away on the vacation of their life. Oftentimes families who had never had a chance to go to some pretty amazing places. And while this family would go on vacation, hundreds of volunteers and Ty and his crew would come in and they would build them a custom-made house. And not just any house, right? It was the upper end of the realm of home ownership. And then there was all this pressure to get it all done. And then pretty soon, by the end of the show, they'd get the family. And where would they have them? Out in the street? Behind the bus. So all of a sudden, we get the view of the crowd. And we get to see the house. And then we get to watch them. And we're really excited. And Ty yells out, Move that bus. Move that bus. And then all of a sudden the bus moves and the cameras go into the families and they're just so overwhelmed with this incredible gift of this home. And so many volunteers went to help. It was a beautiful moment. The show was on for quite a few years. And then what really made the show cease is that so many of those families, even though the homes were often given to them as a gift, they couldn't afford the property taxes and the utilities. And a lot of them could no longer afford to live in those homes. And the show ended up having to be ceased because of it. So it started out as a wonderful life in a brand new house where everything seemed greener on the other side of the road, it ended up not being so. So in this clip that you just saw, we've been talking a lot about George Bailey, but oh, do not underestimate the wife of George Bailey. The beautiful actress Donna Reed, who played her, was 25 in this movie. She just captured Mary. So in an earlier scene, George is walking Mary home after the high school dance, and he's given her his best charming speech. He's going to lasso the moon for Mary. And she kind of laughs. And while he's just going on and on trying to woo her, she's turned around, and she's looking at this old mansion that's dark and it's clearly abandoned and it's in rough shape and she's looking at this old mansion and she thinks it's charming while he's kind of not really paying that much attention he's busy trying to find a rock to pick up and hurl at the house and once it meets the window you hear it crash and she says she hopes that one day she's going to live in that old mansion the Granville Mansion even the name sounded grand, but it sure didn't look like it at the beginning of the movie. So my goodness, 
What does George see? George doesn't see the house and its potential. She does. And so we know as the movie goes on, he had all these grand ideas. And what happens is none of those ideas come about, but Mary and God have him live in Granville Mansion. It's a wonderful play on words. And oh my, can Mary refurbish, can she furnish that old house? Thanks to her redeeming touch, that cold, dark, broken down house that had sat there abandoned is transformed under her care. It offers warmth and light. So many people come through their front door from the start of the movie to its end, and new life is breathed into that old house. Yet even with all of Mary's charm and her hospitality, the house has this one lingering reminder of its old life, and it's that darn banister knob at the bottom of the staircase, and it comes many times in the movie. So here comes George after a hard day at work, and he's trying to reach the kids who are always upstairs, or most of the time, and as he puts his hand on that banister, it's like he forgets, and the banister knob comes off in his hand, reminding him that that was still the old clankety house that his wife had managed to make into a home. It just frustrates him. So all at the same time, the director of this film, uh, Frank Capra, he thought it would be kind of a nice funny to have George throughout this movie continue to put his hand on this banister knob. And he does that because he said it also demonstrated that lightheartedness while he was going for a deeper meaning of this classic movie, which is to look at our humanity in relationship to the incarnation of Jesus coming at Christmas Eve. So basically what Frank Capra was hoping is that when we would see that old banister knob, we would go, oh, that's us. We're the banister knob. And because of Christ, we're living kingdom living. Because of Christ, what was broken in us can be made whole. What an amazing thing. So like that old Bailey house at 320 Sycamore Street in Bedford Falls, our old nature, our human nature, has been addressed by grace through faith. We become a new creation. We become a new address. As Paul says, the old has gone and the new has come. So rotten beams of the house that is our life can be now put up and strengthened. The water-damaged carpet that has been pulled up can now be replaced by a solid foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ. The walls have to be moved. Perhaps the walls that we might put up between us and others and the floor plan has to be totally revised, which is good because it turns out that as much as we think our plans are better than God's plans, it turns out God's plans are always better. And then there's that kitchen that has to be remodeled. And it has to be remodeled because it's got to fit a lot of people around the table so that we can invite a lot of people into the room of our heart to join us. 
And then, of course, those rodent-free rafters have to be renovated because we want to get all the yuck and all that would threaten to bring us down. We want to get that away. We want to give God room to work in our lives. And that overgrown front yard has to be newly landscaped. So all who see us see the light of Jesus in us. In God's hands, in sending us Jesus, our Emmanuel, you see, we are the extreme makeover. And God is calling us to move our feet to follow Jesus. Now, are we perfect? No. Are we sometimes kind of leaky in our faith? Yes. And even Paul has, is quick to admit that our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, well, we are works in progress, and that's a good thing. So like Mary Bailey, who has the ability at looking at the worst house in town and seeing all of its potential to truly live into its name and be grand, Jesus sees us today. He sees who we are, and he sees all that because of him we can become. So ultimately, Jesus, like Mr. Fred Rogers, quotes, he's the one who loves us into being. Now those who follow Christ have a solid foundation of faith and hope and love in him. We still have a broken banister in an area of our life, or perhaps two, but God is at work. And we know that because when we look at the Bible, we see all kinds of people who came before us who were broken just like us, who God used in big, big ways. Noah, he drank a little too much. Gideon gave in to idolatry. Saul had a little bit, okay, a big bit of an ego problem. David struggled with fidelity. Martha was a workaholic. Timothy dealt with fear. Thomas struggled with doubt. And the list goes on and on and on. And if we're honest about our own broken banisters in each one of us, sometimes what is broken we keep hidden behind the front door of the house that is our life. But how wonderful that if we let Jesus enter in, all that is broken in us can be made into something new. Because out of our brokenness, we can minister to so many. So in It's a Wonderful Life, both Mary and George remind us of the truth that every life is important to Jesus Christ. Every one of us makes a significant impact on all those around us. And that movie is also about the battle between good and evil of selflessness and selfishness. It's a story about our faith, our family, our friends. It's a story of loving others so much that you would give up selflessly for other people, even at the greatest cost. So George and Mary are wonderful examples today of selfless love. George truly did love his neighbors as himself, probably even more so. And he, like us, wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. However, in the end, he found that in his sacrifice for others, it resulted in their sacrifice for him. He came to God in a prayer on that bridge. George recalled Zuzu picking up her, her fallen flower petals 
and looking at him saying, look, daddy, paste it. And George, too, prays for God to fix his life, his brokenness, and God does. May George's prayer be ours today. George prays, saying to God, I want to live again. Please let me live again. Amen.